Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, excuse me, what's today's chef special? Welcome to Chef Special, the podcast that brings you the world of food and beverage with facts and information that challenge the status quo. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Honeywell, with Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network, your best food destination choice. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited today to have a very special guest with me. Her name is Sarah Tume. Uh, Sarah is an NYU graduate. She holds a Master of Science, Nutrition, and an Exercise Physiology degree from Columbia University. Currently, Sarah is the Olympic Sports Performance Dietitian at UCLA. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Patrick. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Very, very happy you're here to, to talk to me. I'm, I'm so fascinated, uh, especially with your title, uh, your current title, Olympic Sports Performance Dietitian. I had no idea that that type of a position was... Uh, actually available in a college uh, at the collegiate level. How does that work? Or maybe, uh, yeah, walk me through that a little bit. How you got yeah, into this field? Of course. Um, so I uh, played soccer my whole life. So I was an athlete myself. And, um, you know, as an athlete, you have to take care of your body. So I was doing everything that I thought I needed to do. Um, I was getting advice from my parents, my coaches, but I never really had, I didn't even know the position or that the field even existed um, growing up. No one ever talked to me about nutrition, um, what I needed to eat aside from what I just told you with, you know, hearing the perspective of my coach um, and then my parents urging me to eat certain foods. I'm Turkish, so uh, <laughs> heavy oh, Turkish, right. Tur Turkish influence on what they were feeding me. Um, growing up. And then as I got older, um, I would started to get more intrigued by it. And, you know, being an athlete comes with its fair share of injuries. So oh, I had, I had, uh, wow. various dislocations, tendon injuries, some muscle strains, um, and going through bare, uh, all my surgeries and doing my rehab rehab and all my physical therapy. I was really intrigued by the, by sports medicine in general. And I, mm -hmm. I was always better in the in the sciences at school. So I thought that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a doctor. I wanted to work with athletes, work with a team even. Um, I obviously have a huge passion in soccer. So thought, you know, how cool would it be if um, I would, you know, be at the World Cup one day working with a team. No um, I thought that I mm. thought that would be awesome. So well, which so team yeah. would you work work with, with the <laughs> Turkish team or the US team? Or both? Oh, <laughs> I, I would, uh, you know, that's a tough one. Yep. Um, whoever would take me, honestly, whatever team, it doesn't even have to be those two. I would love to just be in that atmosphere. Um, I love helping others and love helping athletes perform at their best. So, um, you know, uh, it really doesn't matter. Obviously if it was either of those, it would be, it would be an honor. But, um, I, like I was saying, I didn't, uh, know that the field even existed um, until I was I played with the I got the honor of playing with the Turkish national team a few times um, wow. the women's on the women's side so I went there for a camp um, and we had they had a staff sports dietitian hmm. and I had no idea what she did but she was at all of our practices she goes to all the games she was obviously there in the cafeteria worked with us one-on-one -on -one, did a lot of team talks and and whatnot and wow. um, just that really sparked my interest. And then when I came back, I decided to to minor in nutrition um, at NYU. Hmm. And and even then, though, I 
I thought, okay, this is cool. And I could pair it, um, being a doctor, I could pair that kind of into my practice. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't until after I, uh, graduated from NYU a month after I graduated, I tore my ACL playing, you know, in a rec. It wasn't ideal, but yeah, (laughs) I bet your coaches were mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) If there was a time to do it, it's, you know, right after college. So it didn't really Uh, impair my, mm. my, um, collegiate career but obviously mm-hmm. I wanted to keep playing and I had to put that on hold and so mm-hmm. I really decided to focus on my academics at that point and a lot of my mentors then knew that I kind of got the feeling that I was more interested in nutrition so they mm-hmm. um, would always encourage me to to go that route and I finally decided to and then switched gears and um, took the prerequisites that I was missing and then the GRE and applied to my master's program and then did my dietetic internship. And then, you know, here we are. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And then, so today you find yourself at UCLA. Did you, do they um, recruit you or did you, were you looking for a position and they had an opening? How did that, how did you get over there? So um, right after my dietetic internship, uh, literally uh, almost a week after I got a position as performance nutrition intern with the Cleveland Browns. Um, And that was, that was really exciting. So that was last season, the 2019 football season. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and as that, I knew that was just a seasonal position. So towards the end of that, I started looking for um, full-time positions and the, uh, this role at UCLA was open. So I applied to it. Wow. Well, let let me back up a little bit because you mentioned uh, the Cleveland Browns. That's fascinating. Um, were you with the Flick uh, Hospitality Group? And uh, is that what, how that happened? Or how'd you get with, involved in that? Essentially what happens is at, as a nutrition student, in order to become a registered dietitian, uh, after completing all your coursework, you have to do uh, 1, a minimum of 1,200 hours of supervised practice. And that they split up between um, clinical, community work, and then food service. So as a registered dietitian, we get ample training in food service. And um, I got the honor of working with Flick Hospitality Group. Um, I was at one of, so they have sports accounts, but I didn't know that at the time. And I was at another account um, working with the chefs and the food service staff, um, learning a ton. But then my preceptor heard about my interest in sports nutrition. And she said, you know, we have um, the New York Giants is one of our accounts and I could reach out if you're interested and a uh, huge shout out to Chef Angelo there at the Giants who um, accepted me for a few weeks during their OTAs uh, last year. So about this time last year um, and I, I went there and helped out and it was a, like a very eye opening experience. Um, I was working on the food service side of things. So um, they are they essentially make all the food for not only the players, but also the staff and Wow. They, Lucky yeah, staff. for sure. Um, <laughs> they, they have different times. So the players and the staff eat differently and obviously some different foods, but it's very important um, that the food is, is, is high quality, very gourmet food, because I, I, obviously we want the players to be eating the food that we recommend, right? Not going out and getting um, junk food around the corner because it's more convenient. Definitely. So we're trying to, to, yep. to incorporate that element of convenience, but also very high quality food. So he uses the highest quality ingredients the, um, and very, is very, very innovative um, and is always trying like new things, new recipes and trying to spark, spark their interests in the dining hall. Um, also working mm-hmm. directly with their sports dietitian in, um, in, in making sure that all their needs are met. And so um, like you mentioned, the Cleveland Browns also uses Flick. And so um, that 
that definitely helped my case out a bit um, that I had experience with them. So I um, got that position with the Browns and worked that th th this time, um, not on the food service side, but on with, with the team directly. So under Katie Messick, wow. who's the sports dietitian there. Um, and she was a great mentor. And uh, we worked obviously very closely with the kitchen staff and making sure that, again, like I said, all the players needs were met. Um, but it's a very, it's a, interesting field and it's definitely growing there's um a huge demand for chef rds so chef registered dietitian so um being able to do both so obviously we can sit here and give nutrition um nutrition education and re recommendations for the athletes but then adding that extra element and actually providing them with the food that we're recommending is huge mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense so now you're at UCLA and um i i believe that you work with about 11 different teams yes <laughs> yes so oh my gosh so how do you do that how do you balance that and and uh what is what what happens in a week give me like a, a little bit about a day-to-day -day, how you approach your day but also how you stagger it for, for the sure week. so um you mentioned the team so i work directly obviously my title is olympic sports performance dietitian and i work with um half the sports di uh, sorry uh half the olympic sports there and we have, um, I work with another dietitian who, she's a, uh, the nutrition coordinator at UCLA and she um, has the other half of the Olympic sports. So uh, on my side, I work with men's soccer, swim and dive, track and field, cross country, rowing, softball, hmm. wow. um, <laughs> and, many, so, <laughs> and, and some oh other gosh. ones for sure. <laughs> uh, both the tennises, men's hmm. and women's tennis. Um, so like you said, it's, it's come, going from working with just the Browns, so just one team to um, all 11 teams, I was a little bit nervous, but um, no mm -hmm. one day looks the same. And that's kind of what I love about the job as well. Um, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make a schedule the night before, the morning of, and have a laundry list of items I need to accomplish that day. And then at the end of the day, I look mm -hmm. at the list and I haven't touched a single one of those, but I've also, <laughs> also had them a very productive day in general. So um, it's, it's interesting in our field, you know, we do have like, we do do a lot of one-on-one -on -one consults um, with athletes. So I'll have uh, different athletes that I work with come into my office and we'll sit down for like 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour and chat about their needs. Wow. But most of our interactions happen in the hallways or in the fueling station or in the recovery station or on the field. Um, those are the most rewarding and um, usually the most beneficial uh you know, times with the athletes because it's right in the moment and, you know, right after practice, they're asking what they should get or if they're in the fueling station and they're looking for what meal to get or in the dining hall looking um, to, you know, looking for ideas of what they should eat. It's in those moments we want to be there and around them to, to give them the best advice. So again, uh, very important to obviously have them come in and educate them in either an individual or a team setting. But um, Mm -hmm. Day to day, I, I try to walk around and attend as many practices, obviously um, games, and competitions that I can to to really um, just my presence there will show will remind them of their nutrition requirements mm -hmm. and things. So I like to be around the athletes as much as I can. That's yeah. a great. That's great. So performance and recovery. So um, do you have? Does each team have their own? Do you have a kind of sort of a nutritional program set up? You know that the coaches or the trainers. I'll want you to put together for the team um, and or for individuals. Do the coaches or any, do they ever come to you and say, Sarah, you know, uh, this one, you know, one of these, uh, this particular athlete is maybe 
uh, getting tired, you know, quickly, or doesn't seem to be recovering from an injury. Do they pull you in to talk individually, or do you set up or a combination of that plus setting up programs for the whole team? Um, definitely a combination of both. So I um, work with the teams. Um, I work very closely with the strength and conditioning staff. We call the athletic performance staff on um, at UCLA. Gotcha. So each each team has an athletic performance coach, and um, they're the ones kind of designing along with the uh, sport coaches designing the long-term um, plans for the athletes so their workout plans and regimens and things like that and um, as dietitians we have to be in close contact with them to, to make sure that you know athletes aren't uh, are, are properly recovering after practices and after games depending on what the workload is so um, if, mm -hmm. if we're sitting there and giving them recommendations we want to give them the right recommendations based on what they're doing that day um, so definitely uh, that's kind of how it works at the team at the team level um, mm -hmm. at UCLA we have a fueling station and a recovery station at the on the Olympic side mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. um, the recovery station will have like post practice or post weights um, shakes and things like that so we'll uh, encourage mm -hmm. the athletes to go and pick up um, either ready to drinks like things that are prepackaged bars or or drinks or um, the smoothies and the shakes that we make um, with the protein powder. And we're putting in a specific ratio of things that they need. So like you said, that'll differ based on teams. Um, and we want to wow. take that once that our, our little, our hands are a little tied with resources. Um, it's mm -hmm. it's uh, like I said, just the two of us plus the um, army of interns that we have that work tirelessly wow. um, to help us out and we really appreciate them and you know the program wouldn't be what it is without them but um we could always use more resources and we we hope to we hope to grow the program in the future in order to individualize um our recommendations so like you said of course like um uh there are individual differences based on uh for example like you mentioned injury if we have an athlete who is recent is coming back from an injury, their needs are going to be different than someone who's playing already playing at their peak performance. So um, we want to take everything one step further and really individualize maybe the shakes that we give them after each practice or after weights. Um, and that a lot of that ties into um, some data that we take on them as well. So like body composition is a big one that we work again closely with athletic performance. So they're obviously um, trying to, put on muscle on these athletes or maintain their muscle mass. And we um, obviously have the same goals in mind and we, they do it, they do it through their um, workout routines and we'll do it through our nutrition recommendations. So we have to be in line and talking to each other constantly. Um, and gotcha. similarly with the athletic trainers, uh, anyone who's a high risk athlete for any reason um, coming back from injury or recently injured, um, we have to be in close communication with them as well to maybe provide some supplements that they might be deficient in if their blood work comes back deficient in, for example, um, a lot of our track athletes or just track athletes in general might be deficient in vitamin D um, and calcium and things like that. And those are leading to stress fractures and we see trends in that. So we have to step in as dietitians and say, well, is this a team team-wide issue? Is it just individuals? Why is this happening? And then intervene um, as we see fit. Wow, that's that's amazing. That makes a lot of sense. In fact, yeah, I'll kind of keep that in mind. The next time I run to the door to answer or answer the phone, I'll make sure I have vitamin C. What was the other? <laughs> no, thing? it's, it's vitamin to try to avoid injury. Vitamin, vitamin D and uh, calcium we, is is are two big ones. Oh, D iron, and yep. okay. Uh, multivitamins. You know, that makes sense. It's we have definitely um, have a food first approach. So uh, the best way to get all your nutrients is through food. But if 
blood work does mm -hmm. come back deficient, then we want to correct that as soon as possible because that's not only a performance issue, but could lead to injury risks as well. So um, gotcha. food first, but if supplements are deemed necessary, then uh, we work with the athletic trainers and the team physicians to make sure that those, are, those needs are met. Okay, so now I have a qu another question about, actually about your position on the Olympic mm -hmm. side. So you're at UCLA and let's say you're working with the track team. How do you, how do you determine who's gonna, do the coaches say this particular uh, athlete is doing pretty well, um, so we want them to kind of, or they want them to try out for the Olympic team. How do you separate the individuals from the sport? Because um, you have their, their, maybe they're, they're doing, say a track meet, uh, that represents UCLA, but at the same time, a few of them are, are training for the Olympics. How do you do that? Um, so we prioritize um, based on, on needs, obviously. So um, mm -hmm. whether that sport is in season or not is, our, is um, kind of oh, my okay. biggest thing. So right before mm -hmm. all of this coronavirus, um, um, all the coronavirus issues hit, we mm -hmm. I was heavily mm -hmm. focusing on softball. You know, we were NCAA champs last year and we, um, wanted to wanted to continue the the great work and that had been going on all all year leading up to the season and the season mm -hmm. had just started so mm -hmm. we were really I was heavily focusing on them and then obviously um, mm -hmm. giving my attention to uh, other sports as well but it's really the teams that mm -hmm. are in season take priority and then like you said any Definitely. any athletes that were training for the Olympics. Um, I was working with them on a weekly or sometimes bi-weekly basis. So they were coming in mm -hmm. and we were, um, if weight was uh, of concern, then we were checking weights and uh, making sure that they were sticking to their meal plan. And with that, the biggest thing is um, you want to be performing, you want to be at your peak performance on the day of your competition, right? So they were building up to that. And unfortunately, obviously the Olympics got postponed till next year. So it's, it's really heartbreaking. Um, and it's really heartbreaking to talk to them now. <laughs> They're sitting at their houses, some oh. of them international oh. students. So they went back home and, um, there's so much uncertainty and, uh, hopefully they'll still be able to, to compete next year. Um, and, mm -hmm. and that keeping that in mind now we've kind of backed off on some of the, the recommendations cause we're not obviously training. Yeah. That's gotta be so, cause you have some that were training and the ones that are graduating, I mean, for next year, would they, would they no longer be trying out or do they do some still need to try out because it's going to be a while before they end up being, uh, the Olympic start. I would happening? I would assume the athletes that already qualified um, will still just qualify for for the Olympics when they do go on. Um, but for some from some swimmers and some track and field athletes who were going to Olympic qualifi qualifiers, um, that obviously also got postponed. So um, they are going to have to wait to try to qualify for the Olympics, which is unfortunate. But like I said, they're they're at home uh, making use of the equipment that they have readily available. Obviously, um, fueling properly for all of their all of their exercises uh, that they're doing now and trying to keep in the best shape they can on their own and in, in collaboration with, with us and the coaches and the performance staff. But um, I'm, I'm extremely proud of how, how well they're doing despite these circumstances. What are the athletes doing at home right now to try to keep up, especially the ones that are in training and they, everything stopped cold and now they find themselves at home quite a bit. Uh, do they, what do they do? To stay yeah, in shape it's or, it's uh, been tough, and you know they're not. It's, luckily, it's not just our UCLA athletes that are going through this. You know, you see it at the professional level. Um, there's some interviews with professional athletes, and they have maybe some bands at home that they're trying to they're trying to be creative with their workout routines and how to keep in shape. Mm -hmm. And 
being in game shape is very different than, you know, just going and lifting weights and running around. So that's going to be very different. And there's a lot of different protocols out there that, um, you know, the, the professionals are, are thinking about, um, in how to return to play. But right now what we're focusing on a lot in the, on the nutrition front is just keeping the athletes engaged. Um, they, to really help them understand that, you know, you're still working out, whether it be as much as you were on campus or not, you're still working out and you're mm-hmm. still exercising to try to keep in shape. So you still need to be fueling cr- properly. Um, so really getting mm-hmm. that message across and we're doing a lot of that through our social, um, our social platforms, specifically through Instagram, putting a lot, a lot of content out there, sending them a lot of different, different ways like that. Um, we were mm-hmm. scheduling some fun, like zoom cooking classes with a few of the teams. Um, so really just trying to, Ooh. to spark their interest. Cause now they're, they're at home and they haven't been at home for a while, um, for this long at least. So they are trying to get used to a new routine. They had a routine all year. They had been doing so well. We had been training them so well. Um, they were, especially the spring sports, were just getting ready to play play their season. And then, um, you know, this happened and they had to go home abruptly. So uh, keeping them engaged with one another within a team and then um, with, with the staff as well. So we're reaching out to them regularly. I'm still doing all my individual consultations, um, doing some team talks attending, um, attend, doing some office hours where they can come in and ask me any questions that they want. Uh, and then, like I said, doing some fun things like, uh, some nutrition challenges on social media, and then also um, like cooking classes and things like that. Some trivia, some wow. team trivia, nutrition trivia. Um, yeah, it's been fun. We've been, we've been making the most out of this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sarah, I know that you're a big advocate for youth nutrition. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Definitely. It's a huge passion of mine. So I would love to um, always love a good excuse. To um, I, I think I told you, but I was a sociology major uh, at NYU in addition to my minor in mm-hmm. nutrition. So there's a big role in how I talk to athletes and how I counsel athletes and um, looking them, looking at them holistically, right. Rather than, you know, these, this is your current body composition. Um, this is your goal and this is kind of how to get there. No, it has to be a holistic approach to these athletes. So it has to be, um, you know, you have to look at external factors, family dynamics. Are they a freshman who just came in and, um, are there external stressors associated with that? Um, Mm -hmm. how did they grow up? Do they, do they, do they have a background in nutrition education? What are their food preferences? Um, any food insecurity issues? Uh, things like that. So looking at them holistically. And then similarly um, with youth, youth nutrition, um, one of my favorite classes undergrad was sociology of adolescence. And I had the opportunity there wow. to, to do um, a big research paper on, on the obesity epidemic uh, in adolescence and kind of how it got started and, and where we're at now and um, what, what can be done with that. So um, all of that being said, I always am thinking about um, ways to, advocate for youth nutrition, nutrition education, because I think uh, it's crucial. Um, and, you know, as as an athlete myself, I left NYU and I had no idea how to exercise on my own or I had no idea how to eat on my own. I was always provided. I had the dining halls and I um, had my coaches there kind of telling me what to do. So and kind of thinking about why is that? Um, again, again, we I wasn't educated on that when I was younger. So then um, thinking of ways that we can change that system that's in place currently. Um, 
And mm -hmm. my thesis at, for, at Columbia, at Teachers College, Columbia University, I did it on outdoor, outdoor classrooms. So um, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. I kind of had a vision of a playground in mind. And now I, when I say the word mm -hmm. playground, everyone thinks of the same structure. You know, there's a, a staircase going up and a slide coming down. Um, um, there might be some monkey bars and some other accessories on that, mm. on that structure. Sounds right. familiar every, to me. Yeah. Every playground okay. looks the same. And so I was thinking, how can we maybe redesign that in order to increase uh, high intensity physical activity? So to get kids more active mm -hmm. when they're on that playground and then going one step mm -hmm. further in, can we actually maybe put a school garden onto that structure or around that structure wow. to, to bring together physical activity and nutrition in one space and then taking that, you know, we can, we can build that, but if they're not interacting with that in the way we want it to, it's not going to really create any behavior change. So can there be a curriculum mm -hmm. design in, in collaboration with that outdoor classroom or with that new playground that actually um, initiates behavior change and kind of teaches kids um, both physical activity and nutrition education in one setting. So my my parents are both engineers, so I think that <laughs> had a lot to do with my. Um, huh. wow. So I, I was able to talk to them a lot about um, you know the structure itself and maybe redesigning it. And I had some some blueprints and layouts of what I kind of wanted that to look like. But the sports mm -hmm. nutrition side of things, like I said, um, with with the internship I got with the Browns, that kind of took off. But you know, mm -hmm. you could also do sports nutrition um, at the youth level as well. It doesn't have to only be mm -hmm. nutrition education, as I was saying before. You're not talking mm -hmm. to these. You're not really talking to these kids about macronutrients and how many grams of carbs or protein that they <laughs> need. They're not gonna. They're not <laughs> gonna relate to that, right? But you can do some team talks, yep. and I actually have one schedule for next week um for for like a wow. youth um club team a softball team wow. reached out and they wanted mm -hmm. to they wanted to see if i would talk to the the young girls about um how to fuel properly and that's just like i said wow. a huge passion of mine so it's really helping them understand that there is a w specific way to eat for both health but also for performance mm -hmm. and differentiate mm -hmm. the two um to really help wow. build a good relationship with food for these young girls or young athletes in general mm -hmm. um because Sometimes when the media is so heavily focusing on certain nutrients and certain foods um, and calories, then packs their performance for their health. Really that importance of uh, nutrition education from a young age to build lifelong sustainable habits. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of food and nutrition, and I'm just thinking about the, say the softball team, the young girls, if you were to invite them over uh, for, for lunch and you wanted to make them something that was you know, maybe had some a, a Turkish uh, flair to it, to the recipe. Because um, I'm fascinated because I know that the Turkish food has got so much flavor. So the coolest spice mixes. So what would you what would you say for a lunch? What kind of a thing would you want to prepare for them? You know, with that, just something simple, but they had car maybe carbs, protein. Right. So what you um, thinking of that, we want we want to incorporate a lot of uh, colors into that meal. So um, whether it be through fruits or vegetables, combination of both, we want about like mm -hmm. half their plate to be, um, fruits and vegetables. And then if you were to divide mm -hmm. the other half in half, uh, a quarter of the plate to mm -hmm. be carbs or starches, um, and then a quarter of that plate to be a protein source, whether it be, uh, animal proteins or, or plant, plant-based proteins. Um, mm -hmm. so that's kind of just like a general outlook of, uh, how a plate should look, um, 
for, mm-hmm. for that age group and even for athletes in general. And uh, it'll differ for before a match or after a match. Um, but in general, we want about half the plate to be fruits and vegetables to make sure that they're getting all the nutrients that they need. Uh, specifically, gotcha. though, if you're asking me, <laughs> I give me the secret of the spices. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the, if I were to add a little Turkish flair to that, um, yep. I luckily I've been quarantining with my family um, in Florida, so I'm actually not in LA. I'm <laughs> in Florida, and I'm taking full advantage <laughs> of that because yeah, stay safe. My yeah, uh, yeah. my my mom and my grandma and my dad even have been. Um, we've been experimenting with a lot of recipes and my grandma's classics and oh. all, all the Turkish classics these days. So Ooh. I've been, this is probably the longest time I've spent at home uh, outside of high, uh, since high school. So, wow. so I've had some, some of my favorites growing up that I've been asking them to make. And one specific one is uh, I love this like black eyed pea salad that my, my mm-hmm. mom makes and my grandma makes and they kind of make it in a, a similar mm-hmm. way, but um they add there's herbs in it and spices in it which make it super delicious and like you mentioned uh spices are a big thing in turkey so they um the the grand bazaar there if you ever have the opportunity to go visit istanbul the grand bazaar walk Mm -hmm. through it and the scents Mm -hmm. and like the visuals and the colors of those spices all coming together it's like a sensory explosion it's incredible probably intoxicating (laughs) you walk down and you're going it's incredible just breathing on all the smells yeah yeah it's incredible and then there's like teas there and things like that coffee and tea and turkish coffee is delicious but um Yeah, that that, yeah. that one recipe though really encapsulates all of it, um, and mm-hmm. the the black eyed peas are a great source of both carbs and protein. So um, legumes okay. and beans in general uh, fall into that category. Herbs the same way. Mm-hmm. You can have dried herbs, or a, some a common misconception is that you always have to have fresh herbs. And you're I mean you're a chef, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, dried herbs have an incredible flavor and add a, in a totally different dynamic to dishes, and, and um, they're new mm-hmm. in their nutritional value is uh, not different. And in many cases, even it might be higher because they're, they're dried and dehydrated immediately after harvesting. So it maintains all that nutrient. And then when you, when you dry it, you're yeah, you're maintaining those antioxidants and those nutrients. Um, Of course, some of it is lost in the process, but since it's dried right Mm -hmm. after harvesting, um, it's more concentrated in, in the flavor and, and the nutrient density. So yeah. That is great information. So you, so when you add it, I, I know that sometimes some of the dried herbs, if you add to something that has some moisture, some, you know, liquid, it, it rehydrates and it brings mm-hmm. it back a little bit to the, to the texture. But I think, I, it, I think you generally might use half of what you'd use. if that's strong right. and powerful. We uh, actually, we fresh, actually right? just did a post on this for the, um, the athletes, cause that was a question mm-hmm. we were getting and it's a one to three ratio, I believe. So yeah, okay. so one one unit of the dried herbs is equivalent to three units of fresh herbs. Hmm, kind of like yeah. yeast, fresh yeast versus <laughs> right, dried right. yeast. Yeah, okay. And like you said, that <laughs> recipe, um, that in the recipe we add sumak, which is a big one that they use in Turkey. Yes. It has like a citrusy flavor, and in the we add mm-hmm. um, lemon into the salad as well, mm-hmm. and it intensifies mm-hmm. that flavor of the sumak. So it's it's delicious. I'll send over that recipe. I hope you can post it for all the listeners. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. So, you know, you mentioned, thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. So you mentioned uh, your parents and your grandma a little bit. What, who were some mentors in your life as you look back, you know, uh, maybe from the sports side, maybe right. soccer side, your family? Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. a hard one. Um, I'm a 
huge nerd and I would really I really love to say that I'm a student of life I like to learn from everyone I meet um, and I've had the honor of ha having some amazing professors coaches preceptors over the years um, and also just being in New York New York City for so long there's just something about the city's energy that like just breeds greatness honestly um, that yep. might sound silly but it's a really fast-paced mm -hmm. lifestyle and I've met some incredible people along the way and um, constantly inspired by all my friends who are there, their creativity and their work ethic just inspire me to always put forth, you know, my best work and share what I'm doing and hearing what they're doing day to day um, is, is really inspiring. But if I were to pick a few different people, I think I would have to start with my parents. I would group them together, but I would have to start with them. They've been extremely supportive of me, um, both my athletic career and my academics throughout the years. Like I said, I wanted to to become a doctor and I uh, did everything that I needed to to become a doctor so with mm -hmm. that uh, comes a lot of resources right a lot of money and a lot of time yeah. and so when mm -hmm. I went to them and I was like actually uh, you know I'm not gonna do that anymore I'm gonna become a dietitian they didn't even know what that meant and they, they mm -hmm. it didn't matter to them they were they didn't really care as long as I was happy doing what I want what I love so shout out to them cool parents. Yeah, wow. definitely um, Definitely. Hmm. Another one I would say who's really stuck with me um, is Dr. Bod. I interned with him all through undergrad at NYU. And regardless of who was coming through his door, whether it was a high profile athlete or if it was, you know, an elderly individual, his initial recommendations mm -hmm. for them before he prescribed any pain medications was a diet and exercise routine. And that, that along with my already interest in nutrition, um, really piqued my, my interest and he was the one that kind of saw it in me. He was like, listen, you're way more interested in the nutrition side. Um, and if, if that's what you really want to do, we don't get that education uh, in medical school. So that conversation with him really stuck with me and um, helped me like change, change gears a bit. Um, mm -hmm. And then one last one that I want to shout out is Jay Cardiello. He's been for many years now. Um, I was watching uh TV show on ABC. It was called My Diet is Better Than Yours. And I, obviously, mm. being a dietitian, am not really a proponent for these types of shows. I don't like them because they promote fad diets and lead to negative relationships with food and um, because they're mm. weight loss shows and things like that. But I was intrigued mm -hmm. and I was watching it one day and he had a, uh, an approach called the No Diet Plan. And that really struck with me and resonated with me because I have the same philosophy. I don't think there's someone needs to follow a diet to meet their needs, whether it be an athlete or just the, any person. Um, the word diet just already sparks some fear in people. So it's really a lifestyle approach and um, being able to create sustainable habits. And that's what he was preaching to his contestant. So I sent him a cold, I found his email address, did a little bit of stalking, <laughs> sent him a cold, sent him a cold email. And it was like, Hey Jay, my name's Sarah. I'm a nutrition student watching your show. I'm really intrigued by um, kind of what you're saying. I would love to, to meet and chat. And so I uh, didn't expect a reply. Honestly, I forgot I sent it. And a few days later, he replied and he was like, love it. Let's meet. Here's the address. Here's the time. Um, and we kind of grew a friendship from there. And I chat with him regularly um, about things mm -hmm. that I need or any, any advice that I need, I go to him. Um, so he's been a huge influence on me as well. Wow, cool mentor and friend yeah. too now. Wow. And closing here, Sarah, where can the listeners connect with you online? Do you have anything you'd like to share with, the, with anybody listening? 
right now? I have a Twitter account. It's okay. uh, Sarah T-U, S-E-R-R-A-T-U, Sarah Two. I, I like to, to like repost things, but if that's, that would be a great way for, for anyone to reach out um, mm-hmm. if they had questions. Um, other than that, I manage the, uh, the UCLA uh, sports nutrition account, which is at Fueling Bruins. Um, and that, that's a great space. We've been, especially during this time, since we haven't been able to be face to face with a lot of our athletes, um, we've been posting a lot of content and recipes and fun things on there. Um, so, uh, anyone could definitely reach out to me on there. Yeah, that would probably be the the easiest way to get a hold of me or obviously by email. Um, I'm open. I obviously work with all the UCLA athletes, but I, I do see, um, some athletes and then some, some just recreational athletes as well on the side so um, I'm here to help I love you know helping people reach their goals um, and and that's what I want to do whether it be anywhere anywhere from youth to um, to the elderly population I've worked with and uh, and I hope to continue doing that well this is a is great because I think you know people that hear you that could be getting some side consulting gigs or you know there's a lot of on the Beely podcast network Mm -hmm. a lot of sports teams a lot of different uh aficionados mm-hmm. are involved so I'm, I'm i'm sure they'll enjoy this uh time with you so Hopefully. i'd like to thank you for coming on and um yeah i'm honored to have you and and your very interesting background so uh thank you so much for for joining me today definitely definitely patrick thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure thank you for listening be sure to follow me on instagram and remember we are available on your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on your social accounts. If you have any favorite topics or special guest requests, please let us know. You can find our contact information in the show notes, and be sure to like, comment, and share the show with your friends. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.